guys, welcome to a brand new episode of Broke Nerd Podcast. Now we're going to go ahead and get this thing rolling. That we all know about Mortal Kombat, which is one of the greatest games that has ever launched. But we all know that back in the day, around 94 or so, it got a lot of controversy for being a very violent video game. But we are actually not going to talk about Mortal Kombat 11. We are actually going to be talking about a Mortal Kombat movie. Yes, you heard it right, folks. That we are going to be getting a Mortal Kombat movie. And the thing is, is that James Wan, who has did Aquaman movies, did Incendius, and a lot of other things, is actually going to be producing this movie. Well, he's going to be one of the executive producers of the movie. And that pre-production has already started with the movie. We haven't gotten anything released yet about where it's going to be, what it's going to be all about. We don't know if it's going to be a reboot or a soft reboot, or if not, a sequel to those um, movies that are already out. Because we do have Mortal Kombat and Sally Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Which... Um, Mortal Kombat was one of those bad movies that you love, and Mortal Kombat Annihilation is one of those movies you hate and hate. <laughs> There's no wording how bad um, Annihilation was. The graphics was terrible on it. I felt the writing was lazy, and yeah, that's just how it was with Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But like I said, that uh, we are inspected or. Um, wow, seriously? <laughs> I'm expected to actually begin a new one now coming soon. And with them already in pre-production already, that they are actually trying to get a summer 2020 release. So, whatever the movie's going to be like, I am actually really looking forward to checking that out. So, let's go ahead and move on to some other stuff that I have actually written there not here on my board. That... I don't know if you guys heard this, but the Russo brothers, the great guys behind Infinity Wars and Endgame, are actually getting into the world of Magic the Gathering. That Netflix has came with them, and that they are planning on actually doing a full-based anime series of Magic the Gathering. I really haven't read anything else about it. Um, my info that I got this from was from comic um, comicbook.com. And as far as I know, that they love Magic the Gathering. They have been huge fans and been playing the games for a while. And that they have came together with Wizards of the Coast and Netflix to be able to come out with the series. And that I'm actually really looking forward to checking that out. Even though I'm not as huge of a fan of Magic the Gathering because... Magic takes a lot of time, and it is a card-based game, and you know, you have pretty much the elements of a role-playing style game like Dungeons and Dragons and a lot of other things. But, with the storytelling with the Russo Brothers actually behind us and actually getting that going, that is definitely something I'm really looking forward to, especially with them, like I said, knocking it out of the park with Infinity Wars and Endgame that I am actually really excited to actually check that out. Oh, sorry for the 
was actually having some of my drink, which is Lipton Diet Green Tea Mixed Berry. Now, I actually really like this drink. I like any of the green teas that they have. But for me, um, being a diabetic, I have to drink the diet kind. But I gotta say, it's really good. And plus, with it being green tea, it's actually really healthy for you. And yes, I know this <laughs> sounds like a commercial, but it's not. Because unless Lipton is planning on sponsoring me, that would actually be awesome. <laughs> but anywho, we are actually going to talk about a couple of things like the Umbrella Academy. That I actually got these articles um, from a couple other websites. That actually from RockSound.tv is where I actually got this. Of Umbrella Academy Season Two already starting production in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And that um, Aiden um, Gyllenhaal, who has played number five in the Netflix series of Umbrella Academy, actually launched on his Instagram page, showing that he is um, that they were starting production with season two of it. But it was later down the road when this article has came out that other um, actors from the series have been showing that they are doing season two and just recently i think about a week ago that gerard way has released on his instagram page that he is actually back in the production room um, working with everybody with the scripts and gabriel ba um to actually make season two of umbrella academy and we're actually going to keep that going with umbrella academy is that i actually read this on postaltpress.com that they are actually no actually that's for something else in there i do apologize for that but it has been um shown to that both dark horse entertainment and gerard ways um instagram pages have released um images of the very last umbrella academy hotel oblivion issue number seven now what when i do say that it's because um they go by sevens. They, um, Apocalypse Suite has seven issues. Dallas had seven issues. Hotel Oblivion is going to have seven issues. And they're going to keep this pattern going. Because even though that Hotel Oblivion is the last one that we're going to give for a while. That they are planning on doing two or three more stories with the Umbrella Academy. And I for one am really looking forward to actually getting the trade paperback version of and there are actually going to be two separate versions of this book that there's going to be the regular trade paperback edition that you're going to get wherever you get your comic books from local comic book shops or if not barnesandnobles.com amazon.com or a lot of other places but um, the thing is is that if you get it from Barnes and Noble I don't know if it's going to be on barnesandnoble.com or you're going to have to go into the store to actually get it. But there is a variant cover to the Hotel Oblivion trade paperback, which I for one am going to get. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Why don't you just buy the single issues of it? Well, uh, if you don't know from the title of my podcast, I'm a broke nerd. And a lot of the issues are expensive. They are a lot just for like a single issue. Because, I mean, if you take a look at Marvel Comics, at their books nowadays, they cost in between the 
realm of five dollars um like four five or eight dollars i'm not even joking with you that's how much these books are costing now and with me I can't afford nothing to shell out nothing like $5 every single time that issue comes out. That's why for me, I actually go for the trade paperbacks. That I actually wait for the series to end. Then I get the trade paperback versions of them, or if not, the hardcovers. And I know a lot of people say that, well, that hurts sales. That hurts comic book sales when you buy the trades. So I was going like, but dude, I understand that hurts it. But I'm not shelling out that kind of money in there, thing. especially with Dark Horse being an independent comic industry, and like with other people. And that's why, like, even with Image Comics, I love Image Comics when they actually come out with their graphic novels because they actually give you an introduction price and everything, kind of like what Valiant does. Is that you could actually get the first volume of the series of the books for only ten bucks. And really depends on which ones you get. You get between four to six issues in one graphic novel. Um, for example, and the same thing with Valiant. Sadly, with Valiant, you can only get four issues in it, but you get like the first volume of the set for ten bucks, and that is not bad at all. That that's why when I have bought some books, I've bought a lot of Valiant or if not Image because. I don't mind slapping down ten dollars, and you have a collection of four to five books in one um, thing. And like I said, I know and I understand that a lot of people get pissy about that, going like, "Well, why do you um, wait for those to come out?" Well, that's the reason. It's like the same thing. Like if, um, for example, I'm planning on getting Doomsday Clock, that I'm actually waiting for the series to end, or at least the first part of the series to actually get the graphic novel of it because like I said I'm not shelling out the kind of money in there for these books um for example like I actually went to Rad Raptor Comics here in town where I live in Michigan that they had the free comic book day back in May which yeah it's been a very long time ago that I was able to get the free books that they had there but um the owner and everything of the place um Wow, I'm Jeff. There we go, Jeffrey. Jeff, I'm totally sorry about that, man. But um, the thing is, is that he actually threw in some more books that were actually from previous free comic book days, or if not from previous comic um, um, Halloween comic fest, because that's another thing that actually happens in October, where they actually release special edition Halloween um, comic books. For fans of Halloween. I for one in there they actually got a couple. But going back to what I was saying. Is that at the time that he was actually releasing. Some books that were first come first serve basis. That he was actually offering up for free. That would normally cost you a lot of money and everything for the books. And you want to know which ones I got? I was able to grab Heroes in Crisis. Number one. And I was able to grab uncanny x-men issue number one of the this um this assembled um chapter or if not the story arc that they're doing and these books normally cost about like four dollars um for that book and eight dollars for that so eight nine about like 13 12 13 dollars but yeah i was able to score these two key books for free 
and I literally jumped to the opportunity of getting them because like I was not gonna pay an arm and a leg and everything for these books because like I said the X-Men one cost eight dollars and then the Heroes in Crisis cost about you know, like four or five I gotta actually take a look at them because I actually have them sitting right next to me but I'm gonna get back to that but like I said this is I know a lot of people get mad about that get mad about not buying the single issues but I mean when you're a person on a budget and you really don't have that much and everything to get where are you going to weigh out that you're going to go out and buy all the single issues and then just be done with it or you hold off for a bit go get the graphic novels of them and then enjoy it me I like to do that I like to get all my stories all in once instead of waiting for it just like the other day that when me and my brother were actually watching the Mr. Iglesias show of um, Gabriel Iglesias um, has released a show on Netflix called Mr. Iglesias, which I'm actually going to do a review about in my next podcast. But the thing is, he's going like, man, I really love how they release all these episodes um, all at once. I was going like, well, that's how Netflix does it. Is that they do a year of filming, they film all the episodes all at once, and then the day that it's slated out to come out, they release all the issue, um, all the episodes. He was going like, so you don't have to basically wait around about a week or so to watch a new episode. I was going like, that's right. And like, that's how I feel with my comic books. That like, if I want to be able to read a series, I want to be able to read the whole entire thing instead of having to wait for the single issues each month because like I said for example like the two examples I gave to you like um, Doomsday Clock and Heroes in Crisis those things had so much setbacks because of timing and distributing and because of that they had to push back the release dates on them some of them took a lot longer than they expected it was because either DC or Mar- um, DC was actually planning on using this as a ploy to be able to get sales to go up, or if not, and everything they were just delayed due to timing issues and whatnot. But it could be either one to two because you could be able to have a book that's very anticipated and you're really waiting for the very next issue to come out, or um you have to wait longer and then the longer you wait the less interest you're going to be and that's what i feel nerding about with doomsday clock and heroes in crisis is that they waited too long to for these books to come out and there was delays and like people were somewhat starting to lose interest in them but i know i and this is this has been robert's rants <laughs> I do apologize for that rant, people. It says, like I said, that I, for one, am one of those collectors and one of those comic book people that if I can get a chance to get a single issue of it, I will. But if I want to be able to get a whole entire series and a run of it, I wait until it comes out in trade paperback form or if not in hardcover. So if that makes me a villain, then I guess in there I'll play it well. But anywho, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back with more of Broke Nerd Podcast.
And we are back with more of Broke Nerd Podcast. Now, from a reliable place from postoppress.com, that they are um, that Quentin Tarantino, who has made great movies. I know some of them haven't been the best, but yeah, this guy has only shelled out about what like nine movies because once upon a time in hollywood is actually his ninth movie and that's saying something that you see other people that have knocked movie after movie after movie right out of the park but yet someone that's as creative as quentin tarantino he hasn't done that many i mean the only time he's done stuff is like side stuff for example like from sin city that one scene where you get the car ride with, um, I'm trying to remember his name. It was Clive Owens and Felicio Del Toro. That was the scene that where they're sitting in the car that he was driving. Um, Clive was driving and then Del Toro's body in there was next to him dead because he died. But it's just that one scene was actually um, directed by Quentin Tarantino because he knows how to get um, that intensity between two characters. And for example, like I said, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood looks pretty good. I'm going to check that out, but we're going to get back to what I was saying. I kind of trailed off of there again. But what they are doing is that they're planning on doing a Django and... um, Wow. Django and Zorro. Wow, seriously, why can't I see Zorro? Well, there we go, I just did. <laughs> no, but what has happened is that Quentin Tarantino has made a screen adaptation of the comic book series that has came out. And what it was, it was a crossover series with Django and Zorro. And I actually read a little bit more about it. Is that what it is, it's actually about Django who continues to become... Um, continues to become a bounty hunter but he goes more out west and everything to the california area and he sees slavery and this and that going on but then he runs into the legendary diego who we all know is the legendary zorro and what they do is that they actually team up together to be able to thwart like people in their team um, messing with the people, slavery, this and that. And I'm really looking forward to that. And another question arises. If they're going to be doing that, is Jamie Foxx going to come back to actually reprice his role, um, role as Django? Which I, for one, cannot picture anybody else playing Django other than Jamie Foxx. And hell, even like in the movie A Million Ways to Die in the West that Django actually made a cameo appearance in it. It was Jamie Foxx, but he actually appeared as uh, um, his character Django in the movie, which a lot of people didn't really see that. Um, it was more towards the end and whatnot, and like I loved the hidden Easter eggs and gems that was in Seth MacFarlane's A Million Ways, um, Million Ways to Die in the West. And to be able to see that, it was just amazing. But, like I said, I would really love to see Jamie Foxx come back to play his role as Django. But, now the other question is, is that who would play Zorro? Because the last Zorro movie that has been made, I think it was like back in 1998 or so. 
if not a little bit longer. And the last time someone, anybody that played him was Antonio Banderas. And that was the only person that has played Zoro for a very long time because I think it was in the Mark of Zoro or the Mask of Zoro where like he took over for Diego who was played by Anthony Hopkins who was the original Zoro. And then, um, like I said, he came on board, um, Antonio, to actually play that character. But ever since then, there hasn't been another Zorro movie. <coughs> so, it really varies on if we get a um, much more younger Latino character to actually do it. Or if not, to actually get um, Bandez to come back to actually reprice his role as Zorro. But we're going to go ahead and move on from that, and we are going to talk more about what I got written down. Oh, for any fans and everything of the animated series, The Boondocks, got some good news for you. It has been confirmed that they are coming back with a brand new season. And for one, two, it's going back on Adult Swim. Now, because I know a lot of people were worried like Adult Swim is a great platform for adult content for the much more older and mature crowd. And this is where we get like all the anime and plus Rick and Morty and a lot of other shows that air during Adult Swim. And the Boondocks was actually one of those great shows that was actually part of the Adult Swim lineup. I for one have loved the Boondocks. I feel near thing that um, Everything leading up to season three was good. I think season four is kind of where I found everything that it wasn't as good as it was before. Sadly, that's how I felt, and I know this is one man's opinion, but I felt that season four was a bit of a letdown when I actually saw it. But all the other seasons, one through three, I freaking love them. And it has been confirmed, too, that John Willerspoon who plays the character of Granddad on the series of Boondocks, um, was able to come aboard to one of the podcasts from comicbook.com to actually confirm, saying that they are going to be going into production with the new Boondocks season. And I, for one, am really looking forward to seeing everybody come back. Like I said, John Willerspoon. I would love to see Samuel Jackson come back to reprise his character. Sadly, we're not going to get Charlie Murphy to come back to reprise his character because since he long passed. But I would love to see Regina King to come back to voice her um, ways as Riley and Dewey. But overall... I am really looking forward to the series, and if you guys want to get a chance to actually see this series, um, try to see wherever it's streaming at. I don't know for sure where it's going to be streaming, but if you guys can get a chance, definitely check out the Boondocks. If you can't be able to find it streaming, try to see if you can find the DVDs or if not the Blu-ray copies of the show. And like I said, I'm just overall very excited to actually see the Boondocks come back because um, the Boondocks show was basically more of a political satire. That like Aaron Gruber um, was a guy who was very vocal about the stuff that he cared about or he really needed to get off his chest. And the Boondocks originated from a comic book strip that was actually in the Washington Post or some other um 
I'm trying to think what newspaper it was, but it's been a very long time since I've really talked about the Boondocks, but um, he was actually on there, like, writing his stuff, and then it got translated into TV form. And, like, um, for example, like, for the very first episode, <laughs> that this will be a little bit shocking, so, but um, Riley goes up on... Um, no, Dewey goes up on stage, and he's going like, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Jesus was black, Ronald Reagan was the devil, and the government lied to you about 9-11. And as you can see, because the thing is, is that the um, Dewey character was a very hardcore nerd revolutionary. That this guy in nerd did not stand up against, he stood up against a man, he fought against a good fight, of injustices and this and that and as you can see he was not taking no punches Riley on the other hand he was basically the stereotypical of how black youth saw things nowadays that he wanted to become a rapper he wanted to like move up in the game go for the quick book and everything and basically modeled his whole entire life after um, Scarface but like I said, it's just um, little more characters. Like Granddad was one of those people that have lived a good life. He um, was with Martin Luther King, with Rose Parks, and other people back in the day when the revolutionary met something. But Granddad got old. He um, was in the Air Force. He decided to settle down in a suburban place. And that his two grandsons came to live out with him. And, you know, after that, just everything like was crazy. But I really love the series, and if you guys have, um, please give them a chance. Check out that series for yourself. Now, um, another thing is that Bad Boys for Life. That yes, that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence came back to actually do the fourth and final movie of the Bad Boy franchise. And when I actually wrote this article, it was like about three weeks ago that Will Smith had released a video on his YouTube page um, YouTube page to show the behind the scenes footage of what they were doing and stuff and that it was confirmed that it was a um, production wrap up for the Bad Boys for Life so that means is that after filming wrap up happens then they go into post production when they go in do some edits and on top of that, that like if they need to they would have to go out and do reshoots use staff footage and bring it back and be able to piece everything together and then once they get to post production they throw the things together the director checks it out and then they pitch it to the motion picture association of america and from there they get their um whatever rating that they're going to issue them but with it being bad boys we know for a fact that it's going to be an r-rated movie that anything less than that then it's just going to be crap because like a lot of people know that there has been great movies that had hard R ratings, but when they did another movie of it, it was either a PG-13 version of it, and it was not the best. I for one am really looking forward to see how Bad Boys actually ends. And like I said, the movie is called Bad Boys for Life. Now. We got some other news that a few weeks ago too, 
that during the whole Ghostbusters 35th anniversary that was actually going on in California and it was put together by Wizard World that they had all the original cast members to come back well some of them they had Ernie Hudson, um, Dan Aykroyd, Ian, um, Ian Rettman, Jason Rettman and a few other people together um, to basically have a Ghostbusters convention and that they came together to show clips of um, the movies oh excuse me of like the first two and then Jason Reitman actually at the Ghostbusters convention actually gave everybody a sneak peek of the newest um, Ghostbuster movie but like I was going to tell you also is that this news actually dropped a week later after that whole convention that Sigourney Weaver is coming back to actually reprise her role as Dana. And it has been confirmed too that everybody's coming back. That Ernie Hudson's coming back. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd is. Sally Harold is not going to be a part of this. But I would have loved to see Harold be in this one more time. But sadly because of him passing that we're never going to get that chance and I hope that they do something to honor the man or if not do something in the movie that was a lot better than what it was in the 2016 Ghostbusters movie and here we go with Nellor Rand the reason why I say that is because I I think the movie is okay but I hate the fact I hate the fact that the only thing that had anything to do with Harold Ramis as a monument was a statue. Really? I mean, this dude was part of these guys that made this movie franchise into what it is. And you guys are just gonna throw a back thing of a statue of his head? What's with that? I mean, that was the one thing that really upset me, among other things about Ghostbusters, the um, 2016 version. But the one that really upset me the most was the fact that that's all they did. They didn't give them nothing and loving memories of Harold Ramis. They didn't do that at the end credits. They didn't do it in the beginning of the movie. No, they just gave them that freaking statue. And that's what upset me. That I was going to like, this man deserved more than that. He really did. Because like I said, he co-wrote and everything the movie with Bill Murray. Um, with Dan Aykroyd. And that this is all you're giving this man? It's just that? I mean, give him a little more credit here, guys. And like, I feel like that's another reason why the movie really didn't do that well. Is because... Like, people were expecting a little more. I, for one, would have loved to see this. That, you know, if he was not um, a part of it, that they could have done, like, a CGI-style thing of, like, the huge ghost fight that happens in the movie that's showing Harold Ramis as being one of the ghosts. Or, if not, being a ghost that actually helps the Ghostbusters to catch the main villain. That would have been something more better, no, a lot better, than just a statue. And I know, Nerd, I'm going on this really bad rant, 
but I just felt like I needed to air that out because, like, I, for one, am one of those fans that love the Ghostbusters movies. I mean, two and everything wasn't the best, but it was still good. I loved the original one, and probably after this podcast, I'm probably going to watch that movie again. It was the original one, then the second one. But overall, I just felt that for someone that had created something like this, he deserved more. Um, he deserved better. Even hell, even for example, nerding like for the whole um, Captain Marvel movie. Look at what they did for Stan Lee. That they literally did the whole entire beginning part of like the Marvel Studios logo thing by putting Stan in it. And damn, they um, wrote after it. Thank you, Stan. Because if it wasn't for this man, we wouldn't have Marvel Comics. And, like, that is a huge statement. But, yeah, I was thinking to myself, well, here's the statue of Harold Ramis. That's it. And as you guys can see, you kind of see the, like, low, uneven balance and everything between that. But, like, a, I'm going to digress from it. <laughs> I am really going to digress from it because, like I said and everything, this is upsetting. But we are going to go ahead and move on. That there is a possibility that the X-Men, the animated series, might be coming back. Sorry guys, I'm going to take a little drink. Yep, and this was actually from comicbook.com. And they actually got this from the Hollywood Reporter, too. Is that Larry Houston, who was actually one of the um, drawlers, and if not one of the main focus people from X-Men the Animated Series. And what they were planning on doing is that they were planning to go into Disney um, to actually repitch the Animated Series to actually bring it back. Because I think... There's like literally only two seasons of um, the X-Men Day Animated Series. And they wanted to keep continuing with it. But around the time they were doing Fox Kids and whatnot, they basically canceled them after a while. But to be able to bring them back and to be able to bring back a childhood show that I loved, I am really looking forward to that. I really am. I know I keep saying that a lot here on my podcast that um, I'm really looking forward to it. But this is definitely something I am extremely looking forward for. Because like I said, this was a part of my childhood. And, you know, and Disney could actually capitalize on that. They really can because we all know that nowadays that nostalgia is a thing. And especially for me being a 90s kid, um, growing up in the 90s, that a lot of things I love are getting reintroduced. Like, for example, like as many as you may or may not know, I'm a huge Power Rangers fan. I love Power Rangers. And I have a huge collection of the Legacy Collection that they had before Bandai lost rights to Hasbro. That I actually have the Green Ranger helmet, um, the Red Ranger helmet, the um, I got three morphers. I have the Gold Ranger morpher, I have the White Ranger morpher from the movie, and I have the original Five morpher. And as you can see, <laughs> I love Power Rangers. And I was able to get these as gifts, or I bought these myself. And that uh, 
it's a part of my collection. It's a part of the collection that I have here at my house and that I, I'm very nostalgic to this because I've always dreamed about having an action warfare or if not having a helmet. But the only way I could have been able to do that is if I had a custom made or if not have like a Connie cosplay or um, Nimroid or Nimrod um, cosplay companies making these. And these guys, they do really great. They make it into the dimensions of your head, but you're going to be shelling out about roughly in there about between 250 which is the lowest all the way up to probably about 450 dollars just for a helmet but yet when bandai america actually released the legacy helmet collection they only cost a hundred dollars and you know i know that's a bit of a cheapskate thing but i would rather pay a hundred dollars instead of paying almost 500 dollars just for a helmet that's only gonna fit me because what if you come up on hard times and you got to resell your stuff? How are you going to be able to sell off something that was customly made for you to somebody else? Because it's either going to be displayed or they're going to use it as cosplay. But you're going to have to find someone that has the same dimensions of your head. But getting back to what I wanted to say. Is that like Disney can very much capitalize and the nostalgia factor of fans. I, for one, would love to see the um, X-Men, the anime series, to come back. And, yeah, I would really love to see that series and would like to see a continuation with it because, like I told you, Houston already had plans to actually, um, for more episodes to happen that was leading up to bigger and bigger events, but they never got a chance to do that. But if Disney can be able to bring that series back, there's a high probability that they're going to be able to bring in that nostalgia factor to them. Now, let's go ahead and move on to the other stuff in there to hear. Um, oh yeah, for example, an old couple actually got in trouble at their old um at their old folks home for blaring iron maiden too loud how ridiculous is that Pl playing iron maiden way too loud in there who in the hell are you kidding <laughs> no but i did read this article that um this two couple were cited they had the cops called on them because they were blaring um iron maiden too loud and the reason why is because they lived in a senior community where like you could be able to have like apartment style places to um, for older people and they recently got some neighbors to actually moved in and let's just say in their thing now when the room was a rocking in their thing they heard some knocking <laughs> and that's what was going on is that pretty much in their thing i know it, it sounds disgusting it's like oh old people doing it ew <laughs> Uh, no, but that's the fact of what was happening. Is that their neighbors were way too loud in their thing <laughs> during coitus, and they have filed complaints and everything with the people um, of the living community and whatnot. They really didn't do, do anything about it. So what these couple did, they actually took action into their own hands. And while they were doing that. Every single time they're in the middle of doing that, they would be blaring Iron Maiden like to the loudest decibel possible. 
And it's like the saying goes in there, if it's too loud, you're too old. And um, pretty much that's what happened, but sadly they got the cops called on them for it. And I still thought it was funny and that they only got a citation out of it. That, like, I really loved that and it really made me laugh when I was actually at the laundromat a couple weeks ago. And I was actually going through the articles on Facebook and I actually came across this. And I read it and I just busted out laughing. My mom was going like, what's so funny? And I explained it to her how like this couple and everything did this. And like, she was going like, oh, wow, that's terrible. I was going like, but that's freaking funny. <clears throat> that's funny. Sorry, it literally sounded like I went through second puberty there. But no, it really was funny because like these guys, you know, was able to do something that other people couldn't, and they took action to their own hands. I mean, kudos to them. <coughs> Literally, I'm raising my drink and everything to that couple. So you guys keep rocking on. Ugh. But um, for um, here's another thing. I wanted to talk about this, but I do not know how people feel about it. But um, I will go ahead and do that. Sadly, we all know about the Georgia abortion laws and everything that are going on there. And that I think it's, you know, it is what it is. I would voice my own opinion, but I just don't want to start up a controversy. Or if not, I don't want to start something up. But anywho... Um, the thing is, is that um, with them going through with what they are, pretty much people like Netflix, um, like, hold on, let me see, like Disney, Netflix, and AMC have all threatened to leave Georgia if they plan on going through with that law. And that's kind of sad because, like, The Walking Dead's filmed in Georgia, um, ESPN and everything is stationed in Georgia and then like I said with Disney being where it is and Netflix being where it is they're not going to support something like this and that Connecticut the actual mayor or governor of Connecticut and everything um, said that you know if you guys are looking for a new home and you guys want that tax credit for filming here you guys are more welcome in there than to come to Connecticut. And that's what the governor did is that they actually put a letter together and they actually sent it out to Netflix, Disney, and AMC to let them know that, well, hey, we got a good tax um, tax rebate thing for movies and TV shows that you guys can do here. And if you guys want to move your businesses here, you're more than welcome to. I know a lot of other people are going like, well, there's this capitalizing on something, but... Here's the thing. The governor has run, wrote in the letters saying that, you know, they are fully supportive of, um, they're not supportive of what George is doing because they feel like women have the right to choose. And, you know, it's like the same thing with Jane, Sal, and Bob and their thing. They're going to like, um, hey, we're pro-choice and everything. You know, what a woman does with her effing body and their thing is her choice. You know, that's how it is. But Connecticut is the same way, too, is that they feel like you know, women should have the liberties and the freedoms to do what they feel with their body. And 
in the letter that I actually read that they agree with that and that they want to go like, hey, if you guys want to move here, we got the front door open for you. So we got to see how this keeps going with it. I really much don't follow it anymore because I know this was like a very hot button issue to a lot of people and that... You know, I only wanted to bring this up because, like I said, AMC, Netflix, and these places were threatening to move out of Georgia because of that. And, like I said, it's just, it is how it is, but, like, you know, we just got to see more about it. And I'm going to try to see if I can actually do a follow-up story to this because I do want to see if they have or may or may not in there they pass that law. But, you know... I'm going to think about that. But we're going to go ahead and move on to some other stuff. Is that Blade on Blade. And the character that was brought onto the screen back in 1998. With Marvel Comics and New Line Cinema. And that the character played by Wesley Snipes. That there has been talks about trying to bring him back into the main like MCU, but they may think that that's not going to be a possibility to actually give um, Blade the big screen treatment like he did in the last three movies he's done. But there is a chance that they're going to go the same route that they have been doing with um, all the things, TV show. That they are actually planning on, um, Hulu is actually planning on bringing Blade into the Hulu verse, and if not, bring them into like MCU um, TV's um, universe. Kind of like the same thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, um, Runaways, and a few other shows that are connected to the MCU, but on a much more smaller scale. And like that's the same thing with the Hellstrom and Ghost Rider series, that they are connected to the MCU, but they are connected through with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they want to be able to go that route. And, you know, there's still questions about whether or not they're going to bring Wesley Snipes back to actually um, play Blade. I, for one, want um, Wesley Snipes to still play Blade. Because I, like a lot of other people, that there's certain characters or certain people that play a role that you cannot see anybody else play. Like, for example... When they did the whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. Robert Unglund and um, Jack Earl Grey. I really did not picture Jack Earl Grey um, being Freddy Krueger. Because, like I said, I grew up watching the old school horror movies. I have met Robert Unglund, um personally. And I just don't really see anybody else playing him. And that's the exact same way how I feel about Blade. That I really do not picture or see anybody else playing that character other than Wesley Snipes. I really don't. So, you know, I'm going to update on stuff about that. But as far as I know, that they are still in talks about being able to do that. And I do apologize if I feel like I'm rushing stuff. It says... I'm heading up almost close to an hour mark. So most of the stuff that I do have written for this, I'm probably going to be able to move over to my next um, podcast. So you know, actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and do that. 
the rest of the stuff that I have written down, I'm going to go ahead and move that to my um, next podcast, and that I will do that. Pretty much I know with my brands and everything else that I have done, that I found everything that's good enough. So, um, like I said, the other stuff, like the X-Men vs. Fantastic Four, the Swamp Thing cancellation, and it leading up to having a Just Like Stark series, and the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie, and a couple other things. I'm actually going to move that over to my next podcast. Because, like I said, everything that I have done today, I felt like that's good enough. And plus, like I said, I'm kind of running on time here. Because I try to make my podcast less than an hour. Because I don't know if people are going to want an hour or two hour podcast. I know other people have do that. But I, I don't know. Uh, personally, I like to stick around like this marker to be able to do that. But, you know, with that being said, we are going to cut it short today. I just want to thank you guys to taking time out of your schedules or if not taking time out of your day to be able to listen to my podcast. And wherever you are, I hope you're having a great morning, a great day, a great evening, and a good night. And with that being said, that this is Rob, a.k.a. Broke Nerd Podcast, signing off.